Let's see if it works this time. I know. I just just want to start because I'm getting really nervous now. Yeah, we're having some technical difficulties. So yeah, sorry about you that. You know what? This this story is cursed. So oh, that is weird. I I don't know if it's actually cursed, but because like we'll we'll get into it because okay. I, the the case I'm covering this week, I actually really thought there might be some kind of like haunting element to it. I okay. tried real hard. I don't think there is. I'm kind okay. of disappointed, but maybe there is. Maybe there so, is. I don't know. This is alternative interests. <laughs> We're it having is. problems. <laughs> I think that's hard. Alternative problems, probably. Uh, yeah. So we're just we're gonna talk real fast. We're just gonna get, just done. get it done. Get it done. Let's just do it. <laughs> All right. Um. So this week, I am going to tell the story of Jared Atadero. Hmm. Jared, I think I've heard of that name before. You probably have. This is a very famous missing persons case. Okay. Okay. Um. So. I wanted to start the episode with a quote from his father because it just kind of sets the tone for the whole story. Okay. His father said, I tell people Jared is kind of like having a pebble in your shoe. You know it's there. Every time you take a step, you feel it. You can't do anything about it, but it's not enough to stop you from doing what you need to do every day. That's Jared. He's my little pebble. Oh, I can't tell if that's insulting or... It's a little sad. That is really sad. It's it's sweet. It's like you have this thing that like it it's it bugs you. It's there. You can feel yeah. it. Not enough that like it hurts. It's just like it's there. Well, every time I have a pebble in my shoe and I'm walking, like I feel all those things, but then I'm like, God, I just need to stop and get this out. Yeah. Like, except the- in this case, he can't get it out. Ugh, oh so man. that, that kind of sets the tone for the story we're telling today. Okay. Okay. So uh, Jared, at the time that he went missing, was three years old. Oh, shut yeah, up. Really sad. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. my gosh. Okay. Um, his father's name was Alan. Okay. And uh, he also had a daughter named Jocelyn, and Jocelyn was six years old. Okay. The mother was kind of out of the picture. She and Alan had divorced at some point. Um, Alan and the two kids lived in Colorado and their mother lived in San Diego. Okay. They seem to have a really close relationship for like the a single father with his two kids. Obviously, like single parent households end up having really close relationships with their yeah. kids a lot of times. Uh, but this was the cutest thing so apparently had they had this uh, adorable like nightly ritual uh-huh or like they would they would stand together in like a little circle and they would like hold hands together and alan would take his like one one kid's hand in each of his and raise their hands up above his head and he would say this is who you can count on for the rest of your life oh that's so cute. Yeah, that is cute. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Alan had a twin brother named Arlen. Okay. And the two of them together owned um, the Pooter River Resort. But wait, excuse me. Sorry. The Pooter? P-O-U-D-R-E. Okay. I Go had ahead. the same thought. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> just had to. I had to listen to a I couple of videos. It. Yeah. Pooter. It is Pooter. Okay. I mean, all right. Catchy name. This was located in right near the Rocky Mountain National Forest. So it is deep in the woods. It's really secluded. People go there to get away. Okay. So October 1st, 1999, Alan and Arlen had owned this resort for about a year and a half at this point. They were still working on cleaning it up and really taking ownership of it. So at that point, Alan, Jared, and Jocelyn were all staying in this little apartment that was located in the resort, and it was kind of connected to the store. Okay. On October 1st, 1999... Alan remembers that they were up really, really late. I think he said it was like 1030. And That's not that late, but okay. For a three-year-old? Oh, yeah. For a three-year-old, yeah. Yeah. I so, thought it was just Alan. No, Alan was up late because Jared was up late. Okay. Because his favorite movie in the whole world was on TV and he insisted they watch it. Like every three-year-old does. What What movie? Godzilla. Oh, for a three-year-old? It was his favorite movie. That's random for a three-year-old. I right? mean, three-year-olds are random. So it's I not guess... a Disney movie. It's it's yeah. Godzilla. Okay. So Alan said that, I mean, it's late. They run a resort. He's been working all day long. He's tired. So he's just kind of like humoring his son. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're watching a movie and yeah. falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. And Jer would just go, daddy, daddy, did you see that? So, like little kids do. So they yeah. stayed up pretty late. They were up until about like midnight 30 watching this movie. It was okay. really late. Okay. There you go with your and midnight 30. Okay. Alan, <laughs> Alan said that, I mean, in his mind, watching Godzilla, he's like, this is a really scary movie. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Apparently, it was the funniest thing in the world to Jared. Because at one point they were watching the movie and Godzilla is beating up on the building or whatever. And Jared goes, Daddy, did you see that? And he's like, yeah, I saw it, buddy. And he's like, no, but did you see it? (laughs) He's like, what did I what? What am I looking for? And he's like, when Godzilla turned, you could see his pee pee. Oh, my. So like this little kid. He's focusing on these ridiculous little details, <laughs> details in this yeah. movie. That's and that's funny. what Alan remembered about him Aww. is that he was so playful and he found like the joy in the mm-hmm. weird, unexpected places. Like Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> so they get to bed pretty late. And the morning of October 2nd, 1999, they woke up at about 630 a.m. Okay. Alan gets Jared dressed for the day. He put him in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt and they went together to the store part of the resort and Alan made them coffee and hot chocolate because that was his favorite thing. Oh, cute. To yeah. Do was he he loved to start his day with hot chocolate. Oh, um, while he and Jared kind of sip on their morning drinks, Jocelyn actually ran over to one of the cabins at the resort mm-hmm. Because there was a woman staying there named Janet that Alan was pretty good friends with. And the kids loved Janet. Oh, cute. Was she like an older lady or? I I think she was like around Alan's age. Like she wasn't young. Yeah. She was just a lady. Like middle aged. Very maternal to them. And uh, the kids loved her. She got along really well with the kids. Alan trusted her. 
which is oh, the most cute. important thing. So yeah. it was fun. he was like, you know what? I know where she's going. Also, this is the 90s. So it's yeah. like if your kids running across to a cabin. Yeah, as long as you know where they are, it's fine. Exactly. So around nine o'clock, Jocelyn comes running back up to her dad and she's all excited. And she goes, can I please, please go on a hike? How old is Jocelyn again? Six. Six. Okay. So Alan says that he was really confused. Like he he thought this was supposed to be a work weekend. And so he was like, I don't know who Jocelyn thinks she's going hiking with. Yeah. I was going to say, I hope not by herself. So the whole thing with this work weekend is that there was actually a group from a local Christian singles network that were staying at the resort. Okay. And they had this deal that, you know, you can stay at the resort for free this weekend, but you have to help out around the resort. You have to help me clean up. They were working on shutting the place down for the winter. So that was the deal. That's reasonable. Yeah. And I know this happens a lot. I used to do this kind of stuff when I used to go to church. Oh, I never heard of that. Yeah, um, there were several times where we would go and we would spend a weekend at a ranch and we would help like repaint a barn or um, do landscape work around it. Like we would spend a day doing work for them. And in exchange, we stayed there for free. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was always fun. Yeah. And you're with your friends, your like minded people. It's kind of an escape because it's away from home. It's it's fun stuff. Yeah. But that's why Alan was confused because he was like, this is a work weekend. They're supposed to be working right now, not their leisure time isn't supposed to be until later. So he tentatively was like, yeah, sure. I go on a hike. I don't know. Why didn't he check like who he was going on a hike with or she was going on? He did. He was initially he was like, yeah, sure. I don't know. But then more and more people start congregating and you can actually see the group that was going hiking. Oh, so gathering. he's like, oh, she's going to go with them. Yeah. Okay. And of course, Janet was going with them. And that was his big selling point was, oh, Janet is going to be watching my children. So oh. he he made sure like Janet's okay with you going on this hike, right? And Jocelyn says yes. So he's like, okay, that's fine with me then. Janet's going to take care of you. Nice. At the same time, the back of his head, he's like, it's supposed to be a fucking work weekend. But he was like, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. Let yeah. him have fun. We'll get the work done. Yeah. It's fine. Additionally, the group said that they were going to be going. There was like a fish hatchery just two or three miles down the road. Okay. And that's where they said that they were going to go. So it was supposed to be like a more like a nature walk than a hike. Yeah, to the hatchery and then back. Yeah. Or I guess there were some really small trails like right by the hatchery. So oh, okay. in his head, he was like, yeah, my kids are absolutely fine to go on this hike because that's a really easy trail. It's not hiking. It's just going out in nature. They love that. Yeah. So, of course, Jared sees his sister going on this hike and Jared wants to go, too. And that's kind of where Alan stopped. And he was like, "Ugh, that's really young. I'm not going to have my eyes on him. But he was like, you know what? He's going to be with Janet. Not a big deal. Okay. So the kids get real excited. They grab their jackets and kind of another like testament to they're so freaking cute. Like this family is adorable. Jocelyn and Jared were sitting in the car waiting for everybody to load in. Mm -hmm. And Alan made this big deal out of roll down the window. You didn't kiss me goodbye. Like the the dorky dad thing. Yeah. 
Jared gives him a kiss and he's like, okay, make sure you're safe. And then Jocelyn from the other side is like, daddy, you didn't give me a kiss goodbye. So it was this oh, whole thing. Yeah. It was really cute. Oh. So they, the adults, it ended up being a group of 11 adults load up and they leave. And are, are Jocelyn and her brother the only children? Yes. Okay. Because this wasn't, it was uh, a Christian singles group. So they were like younger adults Mm -hmm. together. It was not a family trip. Okay. And the only reason that Jocelyn and Jared were there is because they lived there. Yeah. Okay. So the group gets to the fish hatchery. They kind of walk around a little bit and they realize that like, this is not what they thought it was going to be. But one person was like, Hey, there's actually this better trail. Like, 15 miles away so why don't we go there like deviate from the plan of just going to the hatchery uh-huh okay they did not tell alan no that's pretty that's a pretty significant change it is it's a very big change to not tell the parent of a three-year-old and a six-year-old absolutely okay yeah i don't like that i don't either so the other thing that i don't like is that there are conflicting reports about what happened. So no one seems to be able to agree exactly what happened on this hike. Oh, gosh. The trail that they went to was called uh, the Big South Trail. And this is located in Roosevelt National Forest. It's about, uh, I want to say, 45 minutes outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. It's up in the mountains. This trail itself is about 11 miles long. I don't know how. It's like an out and back. Okay. I don't know how long they were planning on hiking it, but um, all along this trail are little campgrounds, and each campground is marked with a sign for the number. So there's 16 campgrounds, and they're all just marked with a number all along this trail. Okay. The most widely accepted version of the story of what happened is that the group started walking, and this is a really large group to be hiking together. Yeah. So they they separated into like a slower moving group and a faster moving group. Okay. And about 1.5 miles up the trail, Jared runs ahead of the group that he's with. No one can agree if he was with the slow group or the fast group, which is a problem. Yeah. I I don't like any of this. No. So in one account that I read in a book written by Alan. So I don't know if this is really the truth or if this is like little pieces of everybody's stories all collaborated together to come up with something, but it's yeah. it's the closest to a story that I can get. Janet was in the slower group and had Jared and Jocelyn with her. Okay. Jared being an energetic 3-year-old runs ahead of the slow group, but Janet was not concerned because she knew the fast group was ahead of them and this trail is the only thing like he's not going to run off into the woods. Yeah. So when Jared ran ahead, she was not really worried about it. She's like, you know okay. what? He'll run into the fast group. Not a big deal. We all know he's here. Mm-hmm. Problem is Jared ran past the fast group and disappeared from their sight. And did anybody run after him? Well, one woman said, she was like, hey, make sure you, like, hey, Jared, please don't run that far ahead. Yeah. He goes, okay, and keeps running. Later on, what actually really pisses me off 
is that in the official search and rescue reports, several people say specifically, like, are quoted saying, I wasn't watching him because I, I wasn't the one in charge of him, so. No, when you're, you said it was 11 people? Yeah. When there's a group of 11 people and there's a three-year-old and a six-year-old and they're the only everybody children on the, is everybody that is in charge of them. Yeah. Yeah. So that that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. So Jared ran out ahead. We don't know if he was between the two groups or ahead of the fast group. We just know that he had zero adults with him at this point. Okay. He comes across two fishermen. These fishermen kind of like looked at him and they're like, hey, bud, what's up? Mm-hmm. And Jared just goes, are there bears here? And they're yes. like, um, we haven't seen any. He goes, okay. yeah. And, and he runs off going. Again. Yeah. These two fishermen are the last people to see Jared. Oh, gosh. The fishermen do say that they saw a group of adults behind the child, about 80 feet behind the the kid. Mm -hmm. So they did not like initially they're like, oh, where are your parents? But then they're like, oh, that must be the group he's with. Not a big deal. We can see them, which means they can see him. Yeah. Not a big deal. Except at some point, a bunch of people in the group go, have you seen the kid? Have you seen the kid? He ran ahead. Did you see him come back? And at some point, they just like turn around and they go back the way they came mm-hmm. and meet up with the the slower groups. So and now the two groups have met up and all of them are like, huh, we, we haven't seen the kid. Do you know where he is? I don't know where he is. Oh, gosh. So. That is a huge problem. That was 1130 is about when the fishermen saw Jared. 12.15 is when the group realized he was missing. What? 45 minutes. That is a long time for a three-year-old to not to not have eyes on a three-year-old, basically. Yeah. Especially in... The middle of the woods. hike. Yeah. Yeah. When he's not your child. Oh, God. My stomach hurts just even knowing this. So... They spent about an hour looking for him, and ultimately they decided that, you know what, a couple of us need to go back and we need to tell his dad. Mm-hmm. So they send back a couple of people. Back at the resort, Alan had spent his whole morning doing all the cleaning that this group was supposed to be helping him with. So he's exhausted. Yeah. And so he finishes cleaning. I think he had just finished cleaning like the hot tub. And he kind of collapses in his apartment. He's exhausted and he's kind of contemplating sleeping when. So like I mentioned before, his apartment was kind of connected to the store part of the resort. Mm -hmm. He could like hear a commotion out there. And as an owner, he's sitting there and he's debating like, can they handle it? Does this sound like something that I need to go take care of? Mm -hmm. And. I guess it gets louder and louder and he was literally just about to be like okay I need to go help them because something's wrong when a woman bursts through his apartment door okay she's out of breath she's very clearly upset and it immediately made him tense yeah he said her energy was affecting his energy and she was like breathing heavy she was obviously upset and she finally like he didn't know this who this person was. He recognized her as like a group someone, One from, of the someone from the Christian group. group. Okay, okay, okay. But like 
she she can't even talk. And so yeah. finally she goes, Alan, everything is okay, but Jared had a little problem. Okay. Like, can you imagine you sent your child off with this group and someone no. comes back and says this yeah. to you? Okay. So Alan immediately is like, he's hurt. Something's wrong. Yeah. And so he goes, what's wrong? And she just like cannot speak. She's literally, she's in shock. Okay. And so he asks a few times, like, what's wrong? What happened? Where is he? And finally, he like stood up and looked her in the eye and goes, what is wrong? And she well, goes. The way she comes in and frames it, too, is a little odd to me. Uh, he had a little problem or Alan had a. Jared sorry, had a Jared little problem. had a little problem. That's a weird way to put it. Yeah. So yeah. and and now she's like not answering your questions. Yeah, so that's he odd. finally he looks at her and he's like, "What is wrong?" And she goes, "He's okay. We just can't find him." How does she know he's okay? That was exactly it. Literally, it says that in my notes. I'm like, yeah. "How do you know he's okay?" Exactly. So Alan, understandably, is upset. Yeah, I would be like, "What?" Yeah, so he said that, like, his body almost, like, shut down. He went into autopilot. He started, like, yeah. frantically pulling things together to get ready to just get out and go. He goes out to the store part of the resort, and the resort manager was a man named Butch. Okay. And Butch goes, we need to call search and rescue. We need to call the police. And Alan... He says now that he was naive, but he said, no, we don't. I'm going to go out there. We'll find him. It'll all be okay. He just needs to hear my voice and he'll come. It's fine. I can find him. So he takes a radio, like a, a park ranger radio type thing uh -huh. from behind the counter. And because he wanted to be able to stay in contact with Butch, because remember yeah. this is the 90s, no yeah. cell phone, yeah. also up in the woods, no, no cell phones. Yeah. So... He goes and he jumps in his car and he's sitting there like literally bouncing with energy because he needs one of these people to lead him back to where they were because he knows yeah. he knows about where they were. But he's like, I need you to tell me where you were, where exactly you were. Yeah, I so, need to retrace all of these steps. So the woman, her name was Brenda, comes out and she goes, OK, we're about 15 miles up the road. And Alan goes, wait, what? Yeah, because he didn't know they changed their plans. No. And Ugh. so he was thinking they were just down the road at the fish hatchery. At the hatchery, yeah. Which maybe a five, ten minute drive. This was a winding mountain road. So 15 miles, that was like a half hour drive. And, and every minute he is standing there is another minute that yeah. Jared, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So he said he drove up there. He was watching his odometer like a hawk because he wanted to make sure he didn't drive too far. And he was just screaming in his car. They lost my baby. What did they do to my baby? And then the question, as I was researching, I was most of this I read in one article. And at this point, my question was, where the hell is Jocelyn? Yeah. Why oh, have yeah. you mentioned Jocelyn? Exactly. And um, Alan had the same question. It, like, as he was driving, he's like, no one has said anything. Where's my daughter? Mm -hmm. So he gets up to the trailhead where some of the some of the group is still up searching. A couple of them are out down at the trailhead and mm -hmm. he asks them, where's my daughter? And one of them goes, she's with Janet. The two of them are looking for Jared. So they're hiking. Okay. 
So now Alan is looking for two children because he's like, okay, I have one child that's missing for sure. I have a second child that I don't see them right now, so they may as well be missing. Yeah, I would need to get eyes on at least one of my children to feel even like a sliver of like... Yeah. Something. Yeah. You know? Just to like ground you. Ease. Yeah. So he starts running down the trail and he said he realized like within a couple of minutes that like this was not going to be like a dad's Easy. here to save you and uh, mm-hmm. like I found you. Yeah. Oh, so that breaks he, my heart. He ended up turning back around, still has not found Janet and Jocelyn. And his whole intention is he was running back to his car to go back to the resort to call 911 yeah. because he realized like, yeah. I was wrong. And nobody in the group has called 911 yet at this point. Well, so while he was heading back to his car, the radio starts crackling. Okay. And it was Butch calling to say, hey, so I called 911 the second you left because I was okay. not going to listen to you. Yeah. And we have a sheriff's deputy is on his way. This is Good. his name. Please wait for him at the trailhead. He will be there soon. Good. So... Alan goes and he's waiting. Uh, by the time he gets to the trailhead, the sheriff's deputy has arrived with a couple of, not many, just uh-huh. a couple of search and rescue people because they don't know the situation yet. All they yeah. know is that they've had a report of a missing child. Yeah. They need to actually investigate because maybe by the time they responded, they found it. They found him. Or yeah. He, yeah. So in all the commotion, when he got back, he finds Janet. No Jocelyn. What? Thankfully, Janet had actually decided to take Jocelyn back to the resort so that at very Ugh, she was I was getting scared, yeah. Yeah, but the really sad thing is that Alan, all he wanted to do was hug his daughter. He was like, mm-hmm. I, I can't leave the mountain because I need to help find my son, but like I yeah. need my daughter. So yeah. really sad, like, like he's stuck Ugh, in a bad place. The emotions, yeah. Yeah. So um, 4.26 p.m. is when the emergency alert went to the Larimer County Emergency Services. Um, so, so he's been gone for over five hours at this point. Yeah. He was last seen around 1130. 30. Ugh. Yeah. And, and that's just that's how long it took for them to get word back to the resort. And it just sucks. I bet every minute, every second that your child is gone like that is like torturous. Like right. Hell. Yeah. Yeah. So 507, um, a search and rescue manager, George Jansen, was notified. And so that is the official like all hands on deck. Get everyone out here. We are we are having a search for this child. Like that's yeah. that's the flag that goes, yep, this is real. Get everyone out here. We're looking. Mm-hmm. By 6.30 p.m., search and rescue personnel started arriving at the lower trailhead. And apparently there was an upper trailhead that was harder to access, but it, it existed. Mm-hmm. So they had some searchers start at the bottom and some start at the top so that they could meet in the middle. Okay. And at this point, there was about 65 search and rescue personnel. So that's that's a pretty decent number for an hour and a half notice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've got a decent number of people. Unfortunately, the two groups meet between Camp 7 and 8, like right at the halfway point. Neither group had seen any sign of Jared. Oh, wow. So at some point in the middle of all of this, and this timeline is a little looser, 
Alan actually went back to the resort because he was like, I need to see my daughter. He needed, yeah, he needs to. So he said he went back to the resort. He grabbed his daughter and he gave her like the biggest bear hug in the mm, world. I bet. And he let her go. And then he grabbed a phone and he locked himself in the bathroom because he needed to start making some phone calls. To the mom, probably. Yeah. And uh, he knew that he was not going to be able to handle himself. And he didn't want. Uh, yeah. When he was talking to the sheriff's deputy, everyone was looking at him. Everyone knows he's the father. Yeah. Everyone is looking at him. And he was yeah. like, I just, I knew I was going to fall apart and I needed to do it in a place that no one was going to see me. Oh, poor guy. So he calls his mother first. Which is, isn't that the sweetest thing that like this grown adult man and the first person he calls is his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, And he said he sobbed. He couldn't even get through the phone call. He oh, I even, bet. He couldn't even express. You can't even say the words probably. Yeah. All he all he was able to really say was my son is missing, my son is gone. And between like I think he dropped the phone at one point and he, finally he was able to be like I I need to call Arlen. So he hangs up with his mother, he calls his twin brother. Yeah. Except his brother wasn't home. <laughs> um so he When is he going to call their mom? He gets there. Okay. Um. So he called his mother and then his brother. Brother. And then he realized he was at the resort and he had not intended on, like, he only lived there for part of the year. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the mother's phone number with him. So he had to call the mother's mother. So the maternal oh, grandmother. so grandmother. Oh, tell God. her what's going on. So and she could tell. And then get the phone number from her to call the actual mother. Oh, God. Oof. So this is a lot. Yeah. And then after all of these phone numbers, all these phone calls, he goes back to the trailhead. Mm. And I think at this point he actually took Jocelyn with him. Okay. I don't know for sure. I know Jocelyn was at the trailhead for a lot of this. Uh-huh. Um, it makes sense to me that he would not want to yeah. leave his daughter behind. No, I wouldn't either. So this must have been later in the evening then that he goes back to the trailhead. I think so. And I think he said in this timeline that by the time he got back to the trailhead, um, that's around when the, the big group of search and rescue had arrived. So I'm, okay. I'm assuming it had to have been around 630. And so Jocelyn, she was only six years old. Um, later in life, she's actually said in a couple of interviews, she doesn't have very many memories of this incident. But one thing that like, you know how when you're young, you have some memories that are so clear that you never forget them. Yeah. Hers is she remembers seeing her dad. I guess he had gone down the trail another time. He came back. No, Jared. And he was kneeling on the ground sobbing. And she remembers seeing him because that's when it clicked in her little six-year-old mind that, like, this is really serious. This isn't just, like, like, that's when it clicked. They're going to find him in a second and he'll be home. And this adorable little girl just went up and hugged her dad and went, it's going to be okay, daddy. That makes me want to cry. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Oh, Um, So the search coordinator who was in charge of all of this was a man named Bill Nelson. And even he said, like, I thought this was going to be just a a routine. We'll find the kid before midnight. And, you know, it's just he's scared. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to find him under a tree. 
Yeah, because he was like, this is what we do. We've done this hundreds of times before. We'll do it again. We'll find him. We'll bring him home. Not a big deal. And, you know, everyone's going to be happy and fine when they're done. Yeah. So he had been searching since the beginning of the search. And he was like, I need to take a break. So around midnight, he kind of passes the reins over to the next in charge. And he goes, hey, I need to just take a really quick cat nap. Wake me up when you find Jared. Like, that's how confident he was. So he goes and he took a really quick nap in his truck. Like, that's how confident he was. He didn't even bother to, like, leave. He was sleeping in his truck. Yeah. And he said when he woke up and saw daylight, that's when he knew there was a problem. Uh, So the next morning, this is Sunday, a search helicopter was actually getting involved now. They had contacted the Air Force and they were sending a an Air Force search and rescue team to help in this search. Alan and Jocelyn actually saw the helicopter fly overhead. And Alan says he like pointed at it and he's like, they're going to help find your brother. So the helicopter was coming in from Wyoming. And it had to stop at the Fort Collins Municipal Fort Collins Municipal Airport to refuel, and then it turned around and it was coming back out to actually start doing the search. Yeah, between the mountain flying conditions, the fact that there were five grown men on this helicopter, and the added weight of a full fuel tank. Yeah. The helicopter stalled and fell 100 feet and crashed. Oh, no. Did anyone die? Do you see die? what I mean? Do you see yeah. what I mean that, like, the story like, is cursed? cursed? Yeah. Did anyone die? Thankfully, no one died. But oh, thank God. I bet the people that were watching were horrified. So one of the men on board was actually not an Air Force member. He was local search and rescue. because he knew the area these people are coming from wyoming this guy is search and rescue in this area he knows this area so he was like i'm gonna be with them because i can tell them where we're supposed to be and we can coordinate yeah yeah this man's name was mark sheets okay um he says he specifically remembers right before impact that like he was concerned enough by like how low they were that in his headset, he was talking to the pilot and he said, we need altitude. And the pilot said, I know, but I can't. That doesn't make sense. I asked my brother about this because uh-huh. he, he's yeah. actually a helicopter pilot and he has he does um, search and rescue flying. Uh-huh. He has actually been really interesting. I didn't know this until I texted him about it a couple hours ago asking him about this. Yeah. He was actually an instructor for um, a mountain search and rescue flying program. Oh. And apparently this crash is one of the things that led to the creation of this program. Oh, wow. Which is so cool. So um, what my brother said is that when the uh, air currents and the pressure are wrong, especially in like mountain regions. Yeah. Plus the fact that they have five grown adults on this helicopter and and a full fuel tank. Yeah. They just this helicopter couldn't make it. Yeah. Um, but also because they they didn't know how to fly in those conditions. They did yeah. not know. So when the co-pilot said, I know, but I can't, 
it's that's his calm way of saying like i am i'm fucking trying dude Uh he also so the full quote i didn't say the full quote he said i know but i can't we're going in so like he knew that they were crashing yeah yeah so at that point all you can do do. is minimize impact yeah oh how scary so like i said mark was actually not even supposed to really be on this helicopter but he was part of search and rescue so he had joined he was not in a seat. Where was he just sitting? He was sitting on the floor. Oh, the door wow. was open, and so he was looking out the door. Yeah. He was not wearing a helmet because the choice was wear a helmet or wear a headset. He thought it was more important to wear a headset so that he could communicate, communicate. with the pilot. Yeah. So Mark says that because he was the one sitting in the open door, he saw a lot of the damage. Yeah. He said the helicopter literally disintegrated as it came down. Rotors were hitting the trees. Parts of the helicopter were breaking off and flying into the forest. Oh, no. How did they, how did no one die? Uh, very lucky. And, you know, the pilot had to have been good enough to maneuver. Slow it down. Yeah. Minimize it. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask my brother about that, but, um, Mark actually tried to close the helicopter door in order to, like, protect them because it's just this big open door. Yeah. He wasn't able to. A big tree limb actually came inside and there was an Air Force doctor on board because Uh they were thinking that they were going to find Jared and they would need his doctor. Yeah. He got hit in the head with this giant tree limb. The fuselage split in three pieces. Then the fuselage is the part where the people are sitting. And so Mark was knocked unconscious and he got trapped inside the burning helicopter. Oh, no. While the four Air Force uh, people were able to escape. Oh, my gosh. There were search and rescue close enough that when the helicopter ran went down they all ran up they kicked out a window and they pulled mark out oh wow mark had a severe concussion a 13 inch gash in his leg that exposed his femur three broken broken vertebrae in his lower back and a broken shoulder oh my goodness um it was about 6 p.m on Sunday. So now this search has been going on for about 24 hours now. So three of them were taken to the hospital via air ambulance and two mm-hmm. of them were taken via ground transport. Okay. God, I can't even imagine just like. Right. Oh. So because of this, the Air Force actually shut down this whole section of the trail for search and rescue because well, yeah. they had to conduct their own investigation of what had gone on. And Mark spent three days in the hospital absolutely pissed. Not because he was on this helicopter, but because he was in the hospital and he wanted to be out looking for this little boy. Oh, I'm sure. So now this is this is like day two of the search. And this is already a stressful thing. You have this three-year-old little boy missing. But now you have a helicopter that's crashed. You have five people in the hospital. You still haven't found the boy. And now you don't have your air search support. I can't even imagine what everyone's feeling at this moment. Absolutely. Um, so the search was already, the news was really, really big in the media. 
because one, Jared's three years old and he went missing. That's a big story. Two, there's a helicopter crash. So there's even more publicity around this story because of this crash. But also, there was another really big case going on in Colorado at this time. Uh huh. John Benet Ramsey. (gasps) That's right. And that was just two hours away. So at this point, there was actually a grand jury had convened in the John Benet Ramsey case. And they were supposed to make an announcement if they were going to be um, handing down any indictments. That announcement was supposed to take place over this weekend, and they actually uh, postponed the announcement. So now all of a sudden, the grand jury just hadn't come to a decision yet. Oh, okay. So now all of a sudden, there's this big void in the news, and you have this missing persons case just two hours away, so let's go over there. Yeah. So all the media that had been sitting there literally waiting for this big announcement, all of them are like, let's... Let's go to Larimer County. Yeah. So TV news trucks start showing up at the trailhead. 17 of them at one point with news crews just hanging out and wanting to talk to search and rescue and wanting to talk to other people and talk to Alan. And this is day three of the search. Yeah. So... They were able to get another helicopter from a private uh, contractor. Um, For free, probably? I I think so. Yeah, I bet it was, like, donated. And this was, uh, I think, a Canadian company called Geosize. And so they were offering their support. Well, that was nice of them. So this helicopter, we already know that one helicopter has gone down. There were, because of of the... mountains and the area the wind and the air patterns follow certain things they're very unpredictable when you're flying in the mountains Mm -hmm. they encountered swirling winds and it required so much power from the helicopter just to prevent crashing that they couldn't effectively search so the helicopter they were like we can't use a helicopter we're sorry oh no Yeah, they did get a search plane involved in this. This was a very big search operation. So now we are at October 5th, which I believe was day four of the search. They had over 200 trained searchers, not just volunteers. These were trained search and rescue individuals, 200 of them. They had a dozen search dog teams. They had professional trackers on top of that. They had a dive team and they had a search plane. They were serious about finding Jared. Uh, Yeah, they better be. There's actually a really cute photo of uh, Jocelyn interacting with one of the search dogs. I, uh, you know what? So as you were talking, I was looking up photos and there was an article that had a whole bunch of like you would it's like 39 or 40 photos. And I saw that picture of Jocelyn mm-hmm. with one of the search I pulled a lot of photos from that. Yeah. Article. And one of the rescuers. Yeah. Really cute. Super cute. Yeah. Um. So by now they were searching riverbanks. They were searching off trail on steep slopes. Uh, the plane was circling, try- and I believe at this point they may have been using infrared, trying to use that to find him. Uh-huh. Um, as in every missing persons case, 
a lot of people, and in this case, I I fully support this, that volunteers were calling Larimer County going, let me help. Let us help. We can help. Let us come do this. But because of the area, Larimer County Sheriff's Department was going, no, I'm sorry. We cannot allow you to be involved with this because it was so dangerous. Yeah. But that was creating even more stress because you have all these phone calls of people trying to help. There are probably also looky-loos, but I think I'm sure. a majority of them were trying to well-meaning. And then you start getting the whack jobs. Ugh, I hate that. Uh, there were a couple of specific ones. There was a barefooted man with a mule who showed up and said, I can track him down. <laughs> I, get- I got this. This is October in Colorado. Where are your shoes, dude? Seriously. So there was him. Uh, There was a Native American man who came who uh, performed a a, like a sacred ritual asking the mountain to give the boy back. Which I think is really interesting. I like that. That is interesting. But like, that's kind of sad. Like, it is. Yeah. But that that tells you how widespread the care was for this. Well, and honestly, as a parent, I would say, yeah, whatever, if someone yeah. wants to come do, like, whatever, I will take any help. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do Try your it. rituals. Try it. Pray, do whatever. Pray to God. Pray to yeah. Satan. Pray, yeah. Sacrifice a goat. Yeah. Yeah. I'd do anything. And then the thing that always kind of irritates me is the psychics started getting involved. Yes. Um, And they were like, I know exactly where he is. Of course, none of them knew exactly where he was. Yeah. No. We we saw this happen with the Gabby Petito case. Uh-huh. It's still going on to this day. It's February and people still have their conspiracy theories about right. how Brian is still alive and whatever yep. other bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it. People had their insane theories from serial killers to abductions to accidents. And these fuckwads told every one of their theories to Alan and his family. Wow. Can you imagine being Alan and just hearing all of this? Uh -uh. No, no, I can't. Yeah. So gosh, every day that would go by is probably (sighs) horrible. Horrible torture. So the problem with this is that some of these theories sounded really legitimate. And so Alan was starting to get really pissed off at search and rescue that he Alan believed it was an abduction. He was like, my son is not here. You can't find him because he's not here because he was taken. And I mean, it kind of makes sense. Search and like there was these gaps where people didn't see him. Where there was the time it took for the search group to leave to get to the resort and Alan to get back. That's a good hour right there. There's plenty of time for someone to leave. Yeah. But because Alan was going, why are you not investigating an abduction? And the sheriff's department is going, because we don't think it's an abduction. Yeah. There was a lot of tension. It actually got so bad that at one point, Bill Nelson actually had to take Alan and his family on like a hike so that they could just like duke it out in the woods and be like, we need to be on the same side here and we need to work out these issues and we need to be on the same page with this. 
like they had to literally like hike into the woods to have this conversation. The yeah, that sucks. Um, Bill basically told him there's such a slim chance that this was an abduction. I just don't think that's the case. So yeah. Eventually, Alan was just like, you know what? You're you're the pros. I'm just gonna listen to you. You, I can see that you are doing the best you can. Yeah. Because they're the police department, they do still have to follow every lead. So they did question all 11 adults that were on this hike. Mm -hmm. They questioned the fishermen. They questioned Jared's mother, who by this point was there too. She had flown in to help with the search because her son was missing. Well, yeah. I was going to ask, when does the mom show up in all of this? Uh, It was within a couple of days. Okay. Did we ever cover why mom, because it's just not that it doesn't happen, but it is unusual that the kids aren't. It, it, you know, it is a little bit strange that the mom did not have custody. Yeah. I didn't see anything about why. Okay. I didn't really bother to look like at this point, it doesn't matter that she didn't have custody. Okay. We just know that she didn't. Okay. So because the whole abduction angle was not really panning out, officials started thinking that this had to have been a wild animal attack because they actually this is really, really sad because you can see it in the photos. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a point at which they actually found some mountain lion prints with small child's prints near them. Oh, gosh. And when search and rescue came and told Alan that, there are photos of it. Oh, man. Yeah. How much did uh, Jared weigh? He was tiny. He was three years okay. old. Okay. Small. Well, there's sometimes there's big three-year-olds and small. No, he was he was a pretty normal size small three-year-old. The Well, I ask because in one of those pictures, the one where he's just sitting in the chair with that red shirt and shorts, uh-huh. he looks like a big three-year-old right there. I think but that then, might just be the fo- he, like other photos. He's he looks pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I wonder how big he was. OK. Well, so it's interesting you asked that because searchers had this theory because in 1997, a 10 year old had been killed by a mountain lion in a nearby park. Oh, my goodness. So if a 10 year old can be dragged off by a mountain lion, a three year old absolutely can. One hundred percent. After a week of 24-7 searching, this sheriff's office had to call off the search because they just they were not making any progress. They had zero leads. Like, I feel like if they had found anything, a scrap of his clothing, um, a hair, uh, yeah. a footprint, they would have kept anything. going. Yeah. But after seven days, they had nothing. And they apologized. They're like, we are so sorry. But we we just have nothing. That's so sad. It is. And Alan said that after Jared's disappearance, it just, what do you do? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what you can do at that point. And what I feel really bad for is that he said Jocelyn was the biggest comfort to him. Not just because, like, that's my daughter and she's still here and let me hug her. She literally would go up to him and I swear this girl has to have been like like an 80-year-old woman yeah. in this little tiny body because one day she it was a couple of uh, a, within a couple of months after he had been missing 
Alan was still upset enough that like his daughter could see it. So one day she goes, is Jared bothering you? And Alan goes, yeah, honey, he is. Yeah. Jocelyn says, and that's why I said she had to be like some kind of octogenarian in this little body. She says, daddy, there's only two things that could happen to Jared. Somebody has him and he's alive. If he's not alive, God has him. So why are you worried? Either way, he's taken care of. This is a six-year-old. Yeah. And that, I guess that was comforting to Alan that he was like, she's right. You know, if somebody has him and he's alive and well, at least he's alive. Yeah. And if he's dead, they were a very devout Christian household. So he was like, and so God has him and that's good too. We've said it in these kinds of cases. It's that closure that you need though. Yeah. Like what really sucks is that in the years after Jared was missing, hoaxes popped up. Uh, and that. of course, well-meaning people who are like, I saw a little boy with dark hair here. And like Jared sightings popped up across the nation. And every single time it's like, maybe that's him. And then you're like, oh, it's not him. Yeah. Uh, that's like. We, when we were talking about that Spokane case of those two murdered girls uh-huh. and the mother, every time she heard about the body of a woman being found, she would just That's prepare right. herself for the police. Yeah. It's yeah. like the exact same thing. So awful. Some of these hoaxes were awful. There's one woman who kept telling police and news stations and newspapers, I know who abducted Jared. I know who it is. I know he has him. And she was actually charged like with multiple crimes because of these false claims. And she was well, good. I'm doing she it. should. She just kept doing it. Ugh. And then one oh. man, I, I, I can't really call him a man. It was like a young adult uh-huh. surfaced and said, I'm Jared and I'm ready to come home. Oh, my God. They they went so far as to DNA test him. Really? not Jared, and he still kept claiming he was Jared. Alan had to get a restraining order against him. Uh, Yeah, I would too. Those people who do that should be charged or at least like evaluated for mental health services. And actually, the man um, broke the restraining order. He violated it and he got arrested for it. Good. But I just... Alan and his family do not deserve this. No. uh Uh-uh. Could you imagine? That's like losing your child all over again. Yeah. That's torture. And, you know, um, Jocelyn has a couple of these, like, flashbang memories of this day. Uh Uh-huh. When they were talking to the group of adults that were with them, several of them said they heard a scream. Like okay. a, a child scream. Jocelyn, and I didn't I didn't hear what anyone else said, but Jocelyn said that to her, it sounded like a playful scream. Like like, like playing someone tag, was like someone's chasing yeah. you. Yeah. Not a terrified, not a painful scream, a playful scream. Which is interesting. Still any type of scream in that case. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned before, this is one of the largest search and rescue minute missions in Larimer County history. 
and it it spurred change. It created. Let me let me grab the actual name of this um, quote from my brother. Uh, said that crash was one of a few that caused the army and the Department of Defense to collaborate in the creation of the high altitude army aviation training site and the mountain power management course. So it created two separate flying programs to train people on how to actually fly in these conditions because of these, the helicopter crash and the fact that the second helicopter was ill-equipped to handle this. Yeah. And what is also really sad to me is I was trying to look up the resort to see if it's still running, what's going on with it. Oh, yeah. October 1999, the same month that Jared went missing, a new family took over it. I think Alan lost the resort. Oh, yeah. That would be hard in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, to like leave that resort. Yeah. So I think, I I can't really tell, but it looks like I, I Google mapped it. It's the right distance from the trailhead and the fish hatchery. So I'm guessing this is it. It's now called archers pooter river resort so the archers are the family that own it now. okay and they still stuck with pooters uh because pooter is the name of the canyon and the river still still we could do p resort or Poodra. just resort Poodra. whatever we're gonna fast forward a couple of years to june 4th 2003 okay two hikers were hiking on the big south trail when um they were hiking just kind of off the trail, like up in the woods, just kind of bouldering. They were having uh-huh. fun. They wanted a challenge. They found a white Tarzan tennis shoe. Oh, like the ones he was wearing? 500 vertical feet above the trail. What? Like there is a slope up the trail, 500 feet up. They found this white tennis shoe, which, by the way, this is 2003. Jared went missing in 1999. These shoes have been up there for four years. And they were still white? And they were so white, the hikers expected to see a child there because they were like, a kid had to have just taken this off. Oh, wow. That's odd. Weird. Uh, Then they found a second shoe. They found a brown fleece jacket and an inside-out pair of blue sweatpants. All completely intact, except for the sweatpants, like the bottom of one leg was all torn up because, like, birds had pulled it apart. Okay. They knew exactly what this was. So Someone planted it? Or it was his? They knew knew the story, and they were... Everyone knew that this is the area this little boy went missing in. And they had even, like, talked about it when they had hiked this trail before. They're like, what if we found him? What if we would find his stuff? So when they found this clothing, they were like, this is him. Yeah. So they kind of photographed the area. And they went to the sheriff's office and gave them the photos. The sheriff's office forwarded the photos to Alan. And immediately, Alan was like, that is my son's clothing. So June 6th, just a couple of days later, searchers went out to the area and they found these items near campsite two. Remember, this is right where the fishermen Uh, thought. Yeah, yeah. The clothing was scattered over a 25 foot area. So really not a very big area. It's probably about the size of your living room. 
Um, the jacket and the pants were just a little tattered. The jacket had a couple of puncture wounds in it, but nothing major. Uh, one of the pant legs, like I said, was kind of torn apart from birds and they were inside out. And I, so I find it crazy that none of this was found when they were searching. Right. Because they had to have searched that area. So what I have seen is that this was near the area that the helicopter crashed. And because it got shut down, the helicopter, also because it was so high, the hikers, like these two full grown ass men said that this was difficult for them to hike up. Okay. So that area is where the helicopters would have searched if they could have. Okay. So June 14th, this is about eight days of searching searchers and now alan is actually with them at this point because he was like you found my kids clothes i'm getting out there so they're searching this area really detailed search because we found clothes we know where he's here they found a molar and a skull cap oh my goodness the molar was found like on top of a log and the skull cap was found like just below it oh my gosh that's all they ever found so and did they test the molar and did they do anything with any of that? They did. So because Alan was with them when they found it, this is the most heartbreaking thing to me. He literally asked if he could hold it. He's like, can I please hold the, the skull? Oh, my please. God. And it's not That's even the so full sad. skull. It's just the top little cap. Yeah. So they did DNA testing. And in 2003, it had an 86% chance that it was Jared. Obviously, with advancements in technology, they retested it several years later, and it came back 100%. So this was Jared. So it was Jared. Uh. Um, they tried to do some testing on the clothing. Yeah. But there wasn't anything. And when I say not anything, there remember they thought this was a mountain lion attack. There was no blood. There were no animal fibers. There was nothing. That's so weird. So Jared's death certificate for his manner of death shows undetermined probable mountain lion attack. I mean, I'm trying to think of of all the ways in which if an animal did attack him, how like his clothes would be off without being able to see that it was a animal that, you know what I'm saying? Like if he was like thinking I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So they actually go into that. So I'm going to start talking about a couple of the theories behind this. Okay. Let's address the mountain lion attack theory. Okay. Um, Like I said, they found no hair, no blood. Granted, this has been four years, but no blood is weird. Yeah. No, No fibers from animals. Weird. Yeah. Alan actually still believes it was an abduction. He doesn't think that it was a mountain lion attack. Uh huh. Because he consulted with mountain lion experts and they told him in a mountain lion attack, one, the cat will go for the belly. It's soft. Yeah. It's the center of mass. That's just what predators do. His clothing would have been shredded like completely and the jacket was still intact and it only had like little puncture marks. It was not yeah. torn. It was not shredded. They also said that the fact that his sweatpants were inside out, not even like weirdly, it was like fully inside out. Yeah. Like a mountain lion wouldn't do that. No. They would shred and tear them off. And 
kind of deviating from the mountain lion attack because I think no, me and you, I don't think either one of us believes that's what it was. No. It's just there's too much weird stuff. Yeah. So there was as I was researching, I completely forgot about this detail and I purposely moved it down in my research so that it would still be front of mind. But Jocelyn saying that it sounded like a playful scream that she heard. Yeah. What if that was someone who was running up to Jared and like playing with him? Yeah. And they they grabbed him and took him. Yeah. I mean, totally, totally plausible from where I'm standing, you know, like. The other major theory is a little kooky. Okay. And it involves your favorite subject. Oh, my gosh. What? Cryptids. Oh, God. The Chupacabra. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. <laughs> there, there are blogs and threads oh of people. Goodness. Who think who think Bigfoot took her. okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure, people. Oh my god. Oh my I read through a couple of pages of this and I was like, I can't anymore with this. I can't. Yeah. I that's... cannot tell who's being serious and who's being sarcastic. Like it's at that point and I was like, I can't read this anymore. I Yeah, need that's my brain a little cells. much. Yeah. It's no. a legitimate theory. And the whole thing with this is that I'll post a photo of this, but the 500 vertical feet was literal boulders. Yeah. Like this little boy, three years old, who, by the way, does not tie his shoes because uh, Alan said that he he hated tying his shoes. So he kind of gave up on making him do it. So, yeah, this little boy got both of his shoes, 500 vertical feet up no. this mountain. Uh uh-uh. uh. His clothing sat in the elements, the the Colorado snow, the summer, the rains for four years. And his shoes are still pristine white. No. And his clothing isn't deteriorated. No. No. Mm -mm. So that's why some people say that it has to be something more. It does. It definitely does. And I don't know what, though. And... Like, I'm sure they cleared the, you know, the fishermen. Yeah, they cleared everyone. Yeah. But I also think, too. What if there was someone that they didn't see? Because there was that other trailhead. Yeah. Yeah. So to this day, Jared's family still take time to remember him and honor his memory. Every year on January 2nd, they celebrate his birthday. And they sing happy birthday to him. Uh, Alan can't get more than two words of the song out before he starts crying. Oh. Alan still keeps the piece of Jared's skull um, and his molar in like a little keepsake box because that is literally all he has left of his son. Mm. Uh, That's so sad. I came across a, a Reddit thread that made me seriously disappointed in humans. I think in general, we all know that I don't like people. Yeah. But this thread, like, same, same. I, I don't understand how people can be so shitty. The it people doesn't pass this, the vibe check. Oh, no. So the people mm-hmm. in this thread are blaming Alan. They say it's Alan's no. fault. No. He, he sent them with a trusted adult. 
Yeah. And they changed the plan. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They He thought they were going 10 minutes away. And by the way, I didn't mention this until uh-huh. now. Because Jocelyn said in an interview, um, and Alan wrote this in his book, so I'm inclined to believe this is true, that Janet slowed down slower than the slow group with Jocelyn. So she had Jocelyn with her. And she took a nap on the side of the trail. Excuse me? This woman is supposed to be watching your children. And you took a nap on the side of the trail in the dirt in the woods? What? Yeah. Like Jocelyn said it was like on a large rock or something like that. She like laid her head down for a few minutes. And by the time Janet woke up, Jared was already missing. First of all, the last place I'm going to decide to take a nap is out in the woods on a rock. I just, I do not understand. Please never, if I can promise you, if you give me your daughter, I'm not going to take her to a random place in the woods and then nap yeah. while she runs amok. I just, I promise I won't do that to you. So the other thing that they were doing that you and I have addressed several times um, is that everybody grieves differently. And in the aftermath Alan has done several interviews. Uh, He wrote a book. He is always willing to go out and share his thoughts and ideas. And like I mentioned, he's a very devout Christian. He has stated in some interviews that he believes that Jared communicates with him via the supernatural. So he thinks that he sees signs of Jared. This is normal things that grieving parents do. They're like, oh, I I saw a butterfly today. So Jared was saying hello. That's completely fucking normal. Don't yeah. don't judge someone for seeing signs of their loved one. He's exactly and like let him see whatever he let wants him to do see. what he wants. This kid is like so. Or this dad. I just think, yeah, I just think it's absolute bullshit that the people in this thread. And then Jocelyn commented in this thread, and she was so sweet. She she just kind of wrote this one little paragraph and she said, hey, you know, I'm Jocelyn. This was my brother. I'm disappointed to see that people are commenting about my father this way. If anyone has questions for me, email me your questions. Tell me your questions. I will answer anything you want. She's like, I'm not going to sit here and try and argue with people. So she actually didn't even argue with people who were calling her dad a a greedy, money hungry nut job. Oh, my God. And all she said was, you know, I'm I am open for questions if you have questions, which is so like I looked at that and I was like, oh, Jocelyn, look at you. I would never be able to do that. No, no. Uh uh. So Jocelyn got married. She grew up. She got married Um, a month before the wedding. Alan and a couple of family members hiked up to where they found his remains and they left a wedding invitation for him. I like, oh, there's photos. of God. And then at the wedding, they had a seat for him and they put um, he had this Raiders hat that he loved and they put his hat on the chair and so he oh. had a place at her wedding oh has she had children or anything um i haven't seen anything from her recently okay. i emailed her to see if she would have an interview with us i haven't oh. heard back yet oh um arlen uh alan's twin brother 
Uh, he said, people talk about the worst thing a parent can go through, and I had a front row seat for it, and it was a horrible thing to watch. But apparently Alan is at peace now, or he's doing better. Oh, good, good. So I just wanted to end the episode with um, some safety tips okay. because uh, I read an article from the Coloradoan, and these were in the article, and I just thought they were very good. So... Uh, safety tips for hiking with your young children. Dress them in bright colors. Uh, dress them in layers so that they can shed layers, but they're still mm-hmm. comfortable. Keep them in your sight. Yes, at all times. Don't Give, take a nap on the side of the trail. Don't just assume that because you're not the one who invited the child, you're not responsible for them. Exactly. It's supposed to be freaking Christians. Yeah. Give your Give the child a whistle. Um, have them carry small quantities of snacks with them, like uh, trail mix, granola bars, just like small, easy stuff that they can keep in their pockets just in case. If you find that they're missing, immediately call 911 and search and rescue. 100%. Like, even if you think it's not that big a deal, you would rather get a head start on it. And if they show up and your kid is found, cool. Crisis averted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, teach your kids. This one, I think, is the most important. Teach your kids that if they get lost, stay put. Do not move. You stop. You stay put. You find a tree and you sit yeah. by it and yeah. you blow that whistle. And you don't go with anybody else. And that well, make sure you keep your ears open for people calling for you. Blow on that whistle so that people can hear you. Like I said, there was so much that went wrong with this. Yeah, that I I spent I don't know how many different search terms I put in. I put in quite a few trying to find if there was some kind of curse or a haunting in this canyon area. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything except Fort Collins is apparently the third most haunted city in America. Oh, interesting. Had no idea. Seems really random, but apparently it is. Yeah. And I also continuously saw a news article of a woman who mailed a rock back to the Colorado State um, Forest Service with a note that just said, um, uh, I I didn't write it down. In essence, uh, somebody had taken this rock out of the state forest and given it to them. And ever since they had bad things happening to them so they mailed it back they were like take it back i don't want want it anymore (laughs) because actually um i don't remember where this is but the petrified forest Uh uh-huh there there are many documented uh instances of people taking bits of the petrified wood home with them and bad luck really injuries deaths every bad thing and so um, it's actually illegal to take pieces of the petrified forest home with you. If you manage to get it home, uh, you get a curse. And so uh, I was listening to, I believe it was Criminal. They have an episode where they interview one of the forest rangers for the petrified forest. And he says, yep, we get pieces that come back in the mail all the time because people say their lives are cursed. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was the really, really sad story of... Uh, the unknown death of Jared Atadero. You know, that is super sad, but I'm glad at least they like 
there found was his room a little closure there yeah it's just i don't understand in four years his bones would not be completely gone no so yeah. and also the molar just like conveniently like right on top of the log um, the fact that none of his clothes really had any kind of weathering. Yeah, it definitely. Inside out sweatpants. Yeah. All of it yeah. is just weird. It's weird, but so sad and horrifying. And I would, uh, I can't, no, I don't even want to imagine ever having to like live through something like that. That's every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. Because that's when you know, like there's. There's no hope. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's yeah. sad. It's awful. It's awful. Well, geez, thanks for that. Yeah, that was my treat for you this week. Oh man. Well, I Happy have Valentine's Day. A, thanks. I'll have a treat for you next week. Thanks. You're welcome. I look forward to it. <laughs> It'll be fun. And then maybe I'll have a new microphone by then too. Yeah, I don't I have no idea what is yeah. going on. I don't either. We'll see everybody never because, you know, we don't see people, but (laughs) you'll hear us next week. We'll talk at you next week. Bye. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear. So please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other and we'll see you next week.